0: The reading is Mark chapter 3, verses 7 to 35, and can be found on page 1004 in the Red Bibles. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him, for he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God, but he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then Jesus entered the house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub, By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself... That kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan imposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying, he has an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting round him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle round him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks
1: be to God. That's a very powerful song, isn't it? Um, we're going to look at this passage. And right at the end of it, uh, Jesus says those words. He says, uh, singing right here, whoever, uh, here are my uh, mother and my brothers, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And what we're talking about this morning is that anybody who follows Jesus uh, is given a new identity. Uh, they're given a new identity in him, in his family. And that's what Jesus is getting at when he talks about that um, at the end there. But to get to that point has been some, quite a lot of controversy. Um, and we're going to do a little bit of work this morning to get to kind of hopefully understand that. We're going to think about three things. Um, we're going to think, first of all, about how we get our identity. Because unless we do some of that work, I don't think the rest of it will make sense. So we're going to think about how we get our identity. Then we'll think about a new identity in Jesus and why we might react against it, because a lot of that was happening. Uh, And then we'll think about a new identity in Jesus and what it really is. Okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to dive in, because I want to see if we can uh, make some sense of this. Um, There are really, let's think first of all, how we get our identity. There are really two ways that we get our identity, okay? Uh, I'm going to talk about a traditional identity, and I'm going to talk about a modern identity. A traditional identity. A traditional identity. You get it from the outside. Uh, it, you, you kind of—it's—it's—it's it's, it's something that you're aware of. Particularly in your, if, if you're here and you're kind of from a, particularly maybe a non-Western uh, um, family. Uh, you know, you get your identity from the outside. If you're here. Um, and uh, it, not necessarily just non-Western, if you, if you grew up with a strong sense of community identity or strong sense of family structure and identity, you get it from the outside. And how you know who you are and what your worth is, is where you fit into that structure and that identity, That's, uh, that kind of culture, uh, where, you, where you fit in the family. So it's, it, like the classic line is uh, that what, you, what, some, what parents are wanting is that their son will be a good son. That their daughter will be a good daughter. Uh, And what you're trying to do is you're trying to fit into the society. Society tells you what you're supposed to be. uh, So I want to be a good son. uh, I want to have a good job. I want to get married. I want to do all the things that the family structure, the society structure says, this is what I need to do. It comes from the outside. A really, really good example of this is a movie um, uh, called What's Love Got to Do With It? It's quite recent. Um, It's quite fun. Uh, I think I've got a picture of it here. And it is um, uh, it's uh, Lily James. Oh, might come up in a second. Um, Lily James, and um, it's uh, it's 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 about arranged marriage. It was only a couple of years ago it was made, and it's um, it's all about the guy Kaz on the on the uh, you're right there. Uh, He decides that he's going to go with his family sort of ideal of an arranged marriage, Um, and he is that he is trying to fit into the family society structure that you're meant to have. And he says towards the end of the film, he says, I just want to be a good son. Um, it's really interesting, the kind of dynamics and the things it raises. Um, you get your sense of identity from, from where you fit in. But the problem with that, and the problem what the film explores a bit, is, man, that is a crushing weight. And if you're anybody who's kind of grown up in any kind of circles like that, and even perhaps in a traditional culture from the UK, you know, that can be a crushing weight. That I've got to fit in, I've got to, do, I've got to tick all the boxes that I'm meant to tick. And it's really interesting how the film explores that. Contrast that with a modern identity. So, a a traditional identity, it comes from outside. A modern identity, very different, and it's changed over time. But if you think about the modern identity, and I've got an image here of the stage, because this captures where the modern identity is. The modern identity, it comes from the inside. You look deep inside yourself, you figure out who you are, and then you go and perform that to the world. It comes from the inside. You think about your feelings, you think about your desires, you work out what they are, you, you kind of come up, and then you go out and you perform them, and the audience out there validates you and says, yes, I see, you, you are exactly who you say you are. Uh, uh, you, it comes from the inside. And really, the, cl- the classic story, modern story, that you'll find just about everywhere, and I don't want to spoil it too much, but even in that movie, basically... Is the movement from a traditional culture, traditional identity, to a modern one. The traditional identity says it comes to you from the outside, it's given to you, and then the uh, the modern identity says, no, 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 I'm going to find it myself. I'm going to perform it to the world, and you will all validate me. Now, the problem with that, if you think about it, is it's actually really hard to pull that off because, of course, you have to have everyone needs somebody to validate who they are. So you have to, you kind of go and you say, look, this is who I am, these are my deepest desires, I'm telling you what it is, and if people don't validate you, if people don't say, "Yes, yeah, sure, I agree with you, that's fine, that's who you are, if they don't do that, well, then they are immediately, they have to become your opponents, they're your enemies, If somebody says I don't validate you, you're not because it's come from your inside. It's come from your desires. It's not just fine to say, "Well, that's fine." You disagree with me. You're saying you are fundamentally opposed to everything that I am because I've searched deep inside myself. I've come out onto the stage. I've performed it for you. You don't like it. You're opposed to my very being, and it's a real problem. Can you see? you see, uh, You see this now? You can see it all over the place. And I don't need to describe to you. Even like, even the past few years politically. This is where we've, we've landed. We can't disagree anymore, politely. We have to have... If you aren't with me, you're, if you aren't validating who I am, you're my enemy. Politically, see, over the past few years, if you're, not, if you're on the other side, you are my absolute enemy. Uh, this is, I've searched deep inside myself. This is who I am. If you're my opponents, you're the worst of the worst. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a guy, um, Jonathan Haidt, who's written some really interesting stuff about this, about how polarised we have become. If your identity is, is your national identity, it's kind of, I've searched deep inside, this is who I am, I have to look down on other nations. You kind of see that ethnic tension. It's very prevalent at the moment. If it's class, I've searched deep inside, this is who I am, I'm of this class. You inevitably, somebody of a different class, they're your, they're your enemy, they, they're not validating who you are, they're, they're your opponents. Even if it's just something like, I am, I've searched inside, this is who I am, I'm just somebody who works really hard, you're going to look at others who don't and go, I, you know, you're lazy. We've become very, very polarised. Why? Because our modern identity says we have to search inside ourselves, then we perform it to the world. If they don't like what we, we've said to them, they're now my enemy, my opponents. Uh, it makes us very, very fragile if you're from a modern identity. And it's really interesting how yeah, the movie that I described there still kind of plays with that and can't quite work out what it, where it wants to land. But if, you, if you're not following with me at this point, but let me, just, let me put it this way. This might help us. So this is all this kind of pre-work before we get to this. You can understand it this way. Where is the fight or the struggle? Where is the fight or the struggle? In a, in a traditional identity, the fight or the struggle is in you. Because society says this is what you're meant to be. Family says, this is what you're meant to be. And basically, if you're in that kind of identity, that kind of culture, you have to suck it up. And the fight is in you, because you're like, oh, I don't want to be this. I don't like it, but I, I'll, I'll battle it. I'll live with it. They want me to be a good son. They want me to get married. They want me to have the job. I'll do, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll grind. The fight is in you. In a modern identity, this explains what our world is at the moment, the fight is out there. The struggle is out there. I, I've decided who I am. I'm coming to tell you. You don't like it. We're going to fight about it. How dare you say that about me? Do you see where our modern world is? Modern identity. The fight is out there. It's quite a helpful way of, Now, for some of you, some of you come from a traditional uh, culture. You'll be like, yes, I've been living with that fight inside me all my life. I never want to talk about it, but that is why I, I lie in bed at night thinking, why won't they, or whatever. You come from a modern identity you've grown up in you know in a city or wherever it might be that you're you're kind of like your fight is with everyone else i can't believe you won't go with what i'm telling you i am some of you it's both because there's some interesting people who've grown up with parents who are from a more traditional culture and they're growing up in a city and they're like i don't even know who i am um it is, though. These things are really, these are the stories that we tell ourselves, and these are the, they are deeply, deeply kind of woven into us. And it, what, it's why we might reject an identity in Jesus, which is what I want to come to from this passage. It's why we might reject an identity in Jesus. Let me try and explain why. Why might we reject it? So we're, we're looking, I said, we're just going to focus on verses 20 to 35. Um, and Jesus says, all these kind of see the interesting thing about this whole section is section is like crowds are coming, but there's there's clearly crowds who are interested, but there's like you know who's really following Jesus? That's one of the questions that Jesus is asking. So Jesus enters the house, crowd is gathered, uh, and it's so it's so many people they can't even eat. Now verse 21, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he's out of his mind. They went to take charge of him. Now, this is, uh, do you know, they, and they, they will arrive later on, uh, later in the passage. It's like a day's journey they're going to take to take charge of him. So it's not like someone said, oh, just, just kinda, you're going to sort him out. We're going to get up, we're going to get, and we're going to go a day's journey to go and sort him out. Now, this is what a traditional identity does. Mom and dad go, we are getting on a plane and we are going over there and we're going to sort him out. Because he is not doing, Jesus is just not being a good son. He's doing crazy stuff. I don't even think he's eating properly. And we're going to go and we're going to deal with him. This, This is what traditional culture says. We're going to go and we're going to sort him out. He needs to get in line. If you know a traditional culture, that is, you know, he needs to be a good son. So, in that kind of context, a family and society—they tell you who you are—and these are these are so sort of deeply woven stuff. And the problem with the problem with that, I think, just as we as you look at the kind of context of, of you know how how we've seen these, we've looked at kind of authority figures, society figures, and they have been. So often they're exposed as kind of controlling and heavy handed um, or even coercive that in those kind of contexts we now have this narrative that says, Well hang on, you are just that is it's totally out of the question. And so you might you might be somebody, particularly if that's your background, who says, Look, I react against the idea that anybody is going to say, I will tell you what identity you are to have. It's just really hard for you. So that song, "I Am Who You Say I Am," oh, that's actually that, that's so, that's dynamite. If you're from a background where people, society, family say this, you know, this is that can be such a hard thing to hear. I am who you say I am because you've lived with that, and you may react against this idea that there's somebody out. there's just someone else who's coming along to say, "I'm going to sort you out. Get in line." why we might react against it. But then the teachers of the law come in. So if Jesus' family, his blood family, they are like the kind of traditional uh, identity. The teachers of the law, now, they are, they are really, when you look at it, look at how they approach this. They're really like the seeds of a modern identity, a modern culture. Why do I say that? Because do, what is it they come and do? Do they come down and say, now also, notice, they come from Jerusalem. So there's another group who've made a long old journey to come and sort Jesus out. But do they come and they say, we're, just, we're kind of interested. To see, we seem to differ with you Jesus in a few areas. Um, or you seem to be a religious guy, but we've got, some, you know, we've got some differing kind of ideas. Let's explore some of those. No, they come and say, we think he is working with Satan. We think he is possessed. He's either been controlled by Satan. He is evil incarnate. And it's as though they're coming, it's that seeds of what you see in a modern culture, which is, we have come with our ideas, we know exactly who we are, and if you won't validate us, we will decry you as our absolute opponent and enemy. Not just that we, we disagree, but you are You are evil. Now, Jesus' response to them, when, uh, so they come down and they say he's possessed by Beelzebul. Uh, by the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. They're basically saying he's working with Satan or he is uh, um, uh, sort of controlled by Satan. And Jesus' response in those verses in the middle is to try and, just to try and unpack that and say, look, I'm, I'm really doing the opposite of what you think. I'm doing the opposite of what you think. I'm actually here to liberate people from evil. You, for some reason, you've called me evil here. I'm trying to liberate people, but you are so self-consumed that you can't see that. I am your absolute opponent for some reason. So he says, verse 23 to 26, he kind of says, I'm really not working with Satan, because like, if, if you think about it, I'm here to try and drive out Satan. So how, you know, how can Satan drive out Satan? If I was working with him, it would be like a civil war kingdom uh, divided against itself, that can't stand, it's going to fall apart. Uh, if a house is divided itself by, against itself, it can't stand. Like this, he's almost saying, like, this makes no sense. Why would I be driving out evil spirits and driving out uh, uh, demons? Uh, and he says, I'm not possessed by him. Uh, in fact, I'm stronger than him. So um, uh, he says, in fact, verse uh, 27, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. So he can say, say, look, can you not see what's going on here? Satan is the strong man. I have come. I'm actually stronger than Satan is. I am here to defeat him. I am heaven's champion. I'm the one who's come, and I can do that, and I can tie him up, and I can liberate people who are in slavery to sin and Satan, and I can, I can kind of cart them off and free them. It's a rescue mission. It's a bit like, imagine, you remember those boys who were trapped in a cave in Thailand a few years ago? They were all trapped, and they were under, underwater. Uh, were they underwater? Uh, the, the cave system that they couldn't get to very easily. And they were trapped there. And so the massive rescue mission was kind of set up to go against. Imagine someone said to, to the people who were trying to rescue them, you are pure evil. You are working with Satan. You'd think they were crazy, wouldn't you? But that's kind of what they're doing. He's saying, look, I am here, says Jesus, to liberate people, to drive back evil, to, to actually push it out from this uh, world. And you think... I am evil. You think I'm your opponent. Now, just on that, that I think that's why verse 29 is why he, why he says what he does. Um, he says, anyone you can be forgiven all their sins and every slander, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They're guilty of an eternal sin. And he said this because they were saying he's got an impure spirit. He's, what Jesus is saying there is, I am uh, I'm God's champion, and it is by God's Holy Spirit in me that I'm doing this. I'm driving Satan away. I'm driving evil out. So, to view me as satanic, to view God's Holy Spirit as satanic, gosh, you have got yourself into a bad place. It's like the opposites of what is going on. And actually, it's really, he's saying that this is such a dangerous thing to say. There is such a fixed opposition to the work of God that you think it is satanic. That's why it's that bad. And plenty of times down the years, somebody has come and said to me, I'm really worried that I've kind of committed the sin against the Holy Spirit. And I always say to them, you tell me you're worried about it, you really haven't done it. Jesus isn't talking about somebody who might accidentally have done it. He's saying, if you've, if you've got to the point where Jesus is your absolute enemy, and you think that his spirit is pure evil, that's when you've got yourself into, into danger. When you've got that kind of fixed opposition but do you see, so they've come, and they, they, that sort of seeds of a modern identity that says, look, this is, this is who I am, this is what I believe, and you, don't, you won't validate that. You are my, you my opponents, you're my enemy. And you all right, might react against the idea of uh, an identity in Jesus because somebody won't validate your inner sense of who you are. Someone won't validate your sense of who you are. Jesus won't validate your sense of who you are. And so you react against him. How dare you disagree with who I am? Because you see, to say, I am who you say I am, is an incredibly humble thing to say. And it's not something our modern. Uh, identities are very comfortable with. You're now you know, reviewing that song in your mind, aren't you? So we might react against Jesus. We might react because it just hears somebody else telling us how we're supposed to live. Traditional, like I, I can't deal with somebody else, just layering on something else I've got to do. We might react to it with a much more modern sensibility that says, how dare you not agree with who I say I am? You see, both, the whole, the whole passage really is really just a series of arguments with Jesus. And it finishes with this. So a new identity in Jesus, what it really is. So at the end then, when Jesus' mother and brothers arrive and they're outside and someone says, look, they've come to sort you out uh, and Jesus says, who are my mother and my brothers? And he looks at those in a circle around him. That will be some of the disciples, uh, some of the others who are following him. He says, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. What, what is a new identity in Jesus? What it, was it really? It is something that you receive. It is something that is given to you. Uh, In Mark's Gospels, we've seen where he says it's whoever does God's will. What's God's will been that he said? He said, when he arrived, repent and believe. Kingdom of God is near. It is people who respond. We've seen it all the way through. People who respond to what Jesus is doing and the kingdom that he's bringing them. When people say, uh, when, when people respond to it in that way, he's saying, look, that's who my mother and my sisters and my brother, that's who my family are. Those who are willing to receive from me who are willing to say, I'll be brought into your family, I'll be called one of yours. Now, for those who are from uh, sort of that kind of modern identity that we were just talking about, it's hard, I think it's really hard, and that's why it's so hard in our 21st century, uh, particularly in a city like Manchester. It's hard because it's not saying it comes from inside you. It's not saying that your feelings and your desires are the absolute top of the list. Now, our feelings and our desires are important, but it's not saying they are the defining feature of you. Saying, it's something you receive from me, says Jesus. But if you have that, interestingly, if you have that sense of actually, I'm I'm a child of God, I'm a daughter uh, of God, I'm a son of God, and you have that, actually, that is the thing that will start to give you an ease with other people as you go into this world it'll start to give you an ease because you're not, you're not spending your whole time having a fight with everybody out there because they won't validate who you are. I'm already a child of God. I rest in that. So yes, there'll be others who take a very different view of me, but I, do you know it's the beginning of an ease as you go into the rest of the world with other people. It's not a fight the whole time with everyone you meet because they won't validate who you are. If you're from a traditional identity, it, it's a remi- we do- See, the, the really hard thing is we all need validation from outside. We're social, we're communal beings, we can't do anything else. We all need that from outside. But if, you're, if our kind of anxiety is like, I just can't take the weight of expectation of someone else telling me, this is what I've got to do. You see, this come, you re- we receive an identity. We're brought into a family from God himself through Christ. It's not about someone saying, now here's a whole truckload of other things you've got to do. It's Someone, God, saying, I have come to fulfill every expectation already. There's nothing that you can do on top of this that I haven't already done in Christ that makes you my child. There's no extra expectation, no weight that's being landed on you. And it starts to give you a freedom to know actually you can live in that kind of identity in Christ, in his family. And just to be finished, I, I know, you know most, most here, not everyone would call themselves a Christian, but most would. And I, th- I think as Christians, you know, this is why I think the Christian life is an ongoing struggle and an ongoing battle. Why? Because up here, we know, we profess, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm following Jesus. I, I am, and, and that's who I am, and I know my identity is there. But in here... The story that comes to us from years and years and years that we've grown up with, whether that's a traditional culture or a modern culture, a traditional culture saying you've got to be a good son, or a modern culture that's saying you've got to find who you are and go and be it, that those two things are in tension all our lives. And we know it up here. I'm professing Christ. I know I'm following him. But this story, man, is it riven into us? And is it hard to, to live with those two? And the struggle is so often between those two. And the Christian life is spent working that out. And going, do you know, more and more I hope I'll know and see that I'm a child of God. That I have an identity given to me by him. But man is the struggle in here. With all those things going on. The kind of cultural expectations of who I am. Do you see that? If that's your experience, <laughs> if it's just me, it's okay, I'm I'm Okay. <laughs> But if that's your experience as well, that struggle between those things, is that is the Christian life lived out. And it's happening, all, you know, it happens day by, and it's just, where it's, sometimes it's important to say that and to know that. Right, we better finish, because we better finish. Um, the song we're going to sing, is just, it's such a, really picks up on that. Um, my worth is not in, in what I own. Um, uh, it's a real reflection and a prayer. But just, maybe just take this week, take those three things, those three points away, and take them as questions. How do we get identity? Where is your identity come from? You just need to read back over the years, and you'll see it. It's not necessarily just one thing. It might be a mix. How do you get your identity? Where might you be reacting against an identity with Jesus? Even where you're a Christian, it's buried deep. And what is it really? what does it really mean to, for, for Jesus to say, you know, you are a daughter of mine. You're a son of mine. And do you know that that should free you? But it is the work is ongoing. That's the tussle. Right. We are going to stop. Okay. We're going to sing. Let's make this a prayer. Um, It's a great song. Let's stand.